Good morning. Happy Father's Day, you dads out there. Um, my mission today, I believe, from God is to give you a little more of an insight, maybe a peek at the Father heart of God. Um, our mission as a church is to know Jesus and make him known. And our access to the Father is through him. And in connecting us to the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we're going to focus a little bit today on the, the Father. If you would pray with me before we get into the Word. Lord God, we thank you so much for your provision, for your heart. Lord, you created us. We are your creation, and we are also your possession, but you allow us to live a life however we choose. And Lord, we choose today to love you, to serve you, to speak of you. Lord, bless this uh, time together we have that we might honor you with our presence, our fellowship, the word. I pray you bless the words that I would speak, Lord, that it's not my words, but your words that would honor you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Amen. As we're singing, I, I often, during worship, uh, get downloads from the Holy Spirit. Um, and I trust you do as well. Um, this morning's words just spoke to me, certainly on Father's Day. The second song that, Greg, you led us in. Oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reign. You know, the Father of the universe, the Father that created everything about us, the Father that created all the stars in the heaven, He is our Father. And He relates to us very individually. And I know this morning, as I stand here, I'm his favorite. And the reason I know that I'm his favorite is because in Christ, I'm his favorite, just as you're his favorite. All of those that know Jesus Christ have a special place in, in the Lord's heart. And you can honestly say you're his favorite. Now, God's bigger than me. His ability to love each one of us individually as if we're the only one is phenomenal. I know I can't do that. I try as a dad, but I cannot do that. But Father can. The word father is used over 600 times in the Old Testament. There's only two other words used more. It's used 300 times in the New Testament. The other words is used more often is God and Lord. So God, Lord, Father. So you think of this, the Bible which we all read talks about the person of our creator as Father. And so it must be something special about that, certainly. How the Father relates to us. He doesn't always relate to us as we sometimes think he should. I know Ben's uh, sermon a few weeks ago was out of Acts seventeen eighteen, where Paul was arrested or invited to share his faith. I got a quote right by Ben there. We see Paul is arrested. Uh, it's hard to see a father that would want to see your son arrested or invited to share faith in that way but God meant it and Paul saw it as an invitation to be used by him we oftentimes in life get invited to do things that may not fit our perspective may not fit our agenda may not fit our world at that moment maybe inconvenient maybe hard but God's got a purpose for us as a father so father's heart was for the people of Israel and he brought Paul to speak a word 
to folks that otherwise he would never get a chance to speak to like he did. So God meant it and Paul saw it as an invitation. God our Father spoke to me, as I mentioned, he speaks to me often in worship last late fall, early winter in November. And as we were singing and praying, he uh, asked me, I believe, through the Holy Spirit, to read Isaiah 49, which is out of today's text I want to speak. And there's some really cool things in Isaiah 49. We'll talk about those. And the word from the Spirit was not just to focus on those favorite verses of mine, but read the whole chapter and take it as my own, as a, as a, as a word from the Lord to me. Isaiah spoke it many thousand years ago, but God wanted me to take it in. And impossibly... It might be something for the church. So I read Isaiah 49 that morning during worship in the context of all of you singing. It was just a glorious time. And God began to share some things with me that he wanted me, I think, to keep to myself for a while and to um, ask him for further wisdom. So if you look at the book of Isaiah, I want to get some context here. Isaiah was a prophet, of course, and he talked and shared a story through the history of Israel and prophesied it was like the cycles of, of Israel for serving God, being faithful, and then sinning and falling into bondage. They were in captivity, out of captivity, and God continued to bring them his love regardless of where they were at. So when Isaiah 49, that verse shows up, um, they had been in captivity. Um, Isaiah 36 talks about the king of Assyria was going to attack Israel at one time, and of course Israel was a big target, and King Hezekiah had the right kind of heart. He tore his clothes, he humbled himself before God, his father, and then he, and God sent angels and struck down 185,000 Assyrians that laid siege against them. God routed the enemy. Great for God, great for our father. God didn't always do that. Sometimes God allowed the enemy to prevail. Why would he do that? Well, he did that in a lot of ways to teach his people, to train them, to refine them, to be better sons and daughters. The descendants of Jacob, as, it calls, as he calls them in Isaiah, were enslaved for their stubbornness. They were warned by prophets because of their stiff neck. Like iron, it says, they would not listen to God's commands. Had they, he would have been like peace. He would have been peace like a river to them. But he told them he would use Cyrus, the Persian, to deliver them from exile. God speaks of sin and stubbornness often through Isaiah in that book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah. And his judgment that was intended to refine them continued through many cycles. So again, back to November of last year, God spoke to me during worship, Isaiah 49. And I was pondering the verses there. I'm going to read sections up here in a little bit. And... Um, about a month later, I was, God had encouraged me to read it again and read some of the context around it. So I was reading the introduction to Isaiah, I was reading the, the prior chapters of Isaiah, and as I was reading, God brought me to my knees and humbled me. This is in my living room at home one evening, and he, I had a crushing burden I was carrying, and I felt powerless to do anything about it, and God was speaking to me about that. And if any of you dads out there or moms, you certainly can appreciate sometimes you just have this burden for your kids, burden for your life, burden for things that just don't know what to do. And you're the dad or you're the mom and you're expected to have an answer. 
and I didn't have an answer. So God brought me to my knees and began to speak to me about his love and a prescription for what I should do as a dad. And I was uh, not looking forward at the time. It was kind of unexpected, but God showed up. And I think it was because I was being faithful to do what he told me to read Isaiah 49 one more time. And I did. Also, at the same time, the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs 23 is also a special book for me. And I know that uh, our new pastor, Kyle Burkholder, has actually written a devotion on Proverbs 23. If you haven't seen it yet, you might want to pick it up on Amazon. In fact, we may do a, do a series on it. Um, Proverbs 23 is super rich with the God, our Father's love. And I think it's often misrepresented um, or watered down. What God often does when we cry out to him, I'm in this valley of death. I mean, surrounded by enemies. Lord, rescue me. And God does not always rescue us. What he says in Proverbs 23, I am with you in the valley. My presence is more valuable to you than me rescuing you. Me with you is the reward itself. And as men and women of God, if we get that perspective that just knowing the Lord, being in his presence, knowing that God our Father loves us unconditionally can help us through whatever trial might happen. Paul saw it. He was invited to uh, go where he didn't want to go and he knew that the Father was bringing him there for a purpose. So God's with us in the valley and he doesn't always rescue us. It's his presence that's a real prize, not our situation or convenience or personal comfort. You've often heard the uh, metaphor of is a glass half full or half empty and there are those among us that see the glass always half full and those who seem to focus on the fact it's not full, it's half empty. And with God, it doesn't matter what the glass is. Imagine a pitcher full of water to fill your cup whenever it's empty. Or even better yet, imagine a fire hose. Our Father has provision for us wherever we're at. It doesn't matter if our cup is half empty or even if we have a cup. God can quench our thirst and be with us regardless. And have that perspective about God our Father. So let me read a little bit of Isaiah to you. Again, this is the context of the people of, of Israel, the sons of Jacob, being imprisoned and coming out. He says, Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named my name. I'm not an accident. None of you are. He named me by name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow and his quiver hid me away. Now this is Isaiah speaking. And I believe the Lord told me to tell me and you that personify this. Pretend you're, you're Isaiah, that this is, this is your word. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Why would, it just flips me out that God would be glorified in his people. When he's pretty cool by himself. He doesn't need us. But he chooses to be glorified in us. But I said, I've labored in vain. You felt that sometimes? I've labored in vain. I've worked hard. And I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity. Isaiah was a little depressed at the moment. And we can be as well. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense is with God. Now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be a servant to bring Jacob back to him and that Israel might be gathered to him for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. 
He says, it's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Now, it'd be easy for them to pray, Lord, take us out of bondage. But God says, that's, that's just too low a goal. That's too low a bar. I'm not going to just take you out of bondage. It's too light a thing, he says in Isaiah 49.6. It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. I will make you as a light to the nation. I'm not going to raise you up. I'm going to make you a light. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, In a time of favor I've answered you. When we cry out to God, he answers us. In a day of salvation I have helped you. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people to establish the land, to apportion the desolate heritages, saying to the prisoners, come out, and to those who are in darkness, appear. They shall not hunger or thirst. Scorching wind and sun will not curse them, not strike them. And I will make my mountains, I will make all my mountains a road and my highways will be raised up. Behold, these shall come from afar and behold these from the north and from the west and from the land of Cyrene. The Lord's talking about bringing others into the land to serve his people. He goes on to say, my, the reason why I thought the Lord gave me Isaiah 49 was because of verse 15, which is, I got a few of my all-time favorite verses. This is one of them. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these I may forget. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And one scripture says on the back of my hands, actually. So he sees our names. Your walls are continually before me. And for me, even just to get a, a perspective of our Father in heaven having such love for us and such compassion for us and such desire to be with us that a woman could forget a nursing child. And you moms out there that have nursed your kids, you know what that's like. It's hard to imagine anything better uh, and more intimate than that and God says and that's pretty good but I've got a love for you that actually trumps that that's better than that it's more tender than that it's more lasting than that because I will never leave you it says in verse 23 I'm going to skip ahead kings shall be your foster fathers and their queens your nursing mothers with their faces to the ground they shall bow down to you and lick the dust of your feet I didn't make these words up. Isaiah prophesied those. Then you will know that I am Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. So again, it's not enough for God to rescue us or to be with us in the valley. He trumps it here and says, the kings that have subdued you, the kings that are around you of the world will be your foster fathers and the queens your nursing mothers. With their faces to the ground, they will bow down to you. God was speaking of a love for his people that... Um, I think in some sense he was saying, don't set low goals for yourself. Set high goals for yourself because I'm with you. So as I've pondered these verses and, and um, sought them, God gave me some words, personal words from my life um, that helped me through some troubled times. And I would challenge you this morning, if you haven't read Isaiah 49 recently, read it, take it to your heart. Ask the Lord to give you some wisdom if it speaks to you in any way. And of course, there's a lot of context around Isaiah 49. And by the way, the rest of Isaiah talks a lot about some of the, of the blessings of God. The first 47 chapters are a lot about some of the challenges that people of Israel went through. And he switches gears in 49 and starts talking about some of the blessings that he has for them. 
Last thing I want to read to you is out of Proverbs 103. And Proverbs obviously is very rich uh, with, with a lot of God's favor and got a lot of God's love. Proverbs 103, 11 through 18. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our name, he knows our frame, excuse me, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, he should remember because he created us from dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The, uh, the word of God has so much to speak about the father heart of God, his compassion for us. And also his desire to bless us. And always, a lot of times it doesn't happen in the context of the way we think it should. Back to the story of Paul. And sometimes he'll take us to the valley of death. He'll take us to a place of need. And maybe be there for quite a while. And I guess I would challenge you this morning with, don't necessarily look for rescue from that place. Look for the Lord. He's your rescue. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what challenges you're going through. Now, I say this with weak knees, frankly, folks, because I know sometimes God can have us in situations that are really difficult and challenging. I look at your faces out there. I know a lot of you have faced some serious challenges in life and hardships, and your father cries out to you and says, I love you. I care for you. You mean more to me than you can possibly imagine. I'm not too big as a creator of the universe that I can't care about you individually and make you my special person, that you are my favorite. That you don't have to go anywhere else other than me, God says, to know love, to know forgiveness, to know acceptance. And if you chase it anywhere else, you're probably going to be disappointed. It'd be momentary, light and fleeting. So let me finish up with prayer. Not a long message this morning, but I want to share my heart about this, and I want you to really think about it in the context of being a father or a mother supporting a father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have compassion that surpasses anything we could possibly imagine, that your love is, is so big that there's nothing on this earth that can separate us from you. You said in, in Romans 8.28 that there's just nothing on this earth that can separate us from your love, that your goodness is um, beyond our, even our concepts. Lord, that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to take upon all of our sins that we might be reconciled to you. So Lord, this morning we come under the blood of Jesus, we come under his name to you and ask that God that you would help us to, to know what it's like to be your favorite son, your favorite daughter. And that, Lord, we would share this favoritism with others, Lord, that there are other favorites as well. Help us, God, this day to honor you with all we do, all we say. In Jesus' name, amen.